This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Hello, Hearts of Oak, and welcome to another interview just coming up with Catherine McBean. She is the founder of the People's Health Alliance. And this is something that's come up, I think, talking to Dr. David Cartland, he mentioned originally, and I was asking him about what system there is in place to provide access to health care if we do not want to use or can't use the NHS. And what Catherine has done in setting up this is phenomenal. We talk about why she set it up, what drove her to set this up. Uh, quite a number of ambassadors they have on it, Dr. David Cartland and Dolores Cattle, along with many others, um, and many organizations linked with them. How it's set up, uh, talking about this integrative approach to health, this joined up thinking where it's not just big pharma, here's a pill, uh, talk about mental health and the impact of the last couple of years on that, and the importance of community action and community hubs, which I think we've got away from, um, but we need to return back to those, and look at some projects she has coming up. So great website, and you simply put in your details, and it will show you uh, a a doctor, a health practitioner who lives close by, and you can, uh, you can uh, sort it by where you live, but also what you're looking for. All the links in the description. I know you'll enjoy listening to Catherine as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. Catherine McBean, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Catherine is the the founder of uh, People's Health Alliance. We'll get into all of that soon. And there's the website underneath on your screen and in the description. Um, And I encourage you all to go and have a look at it. But maybe... Catherine, we could start with you giving just just a little bit of your background before you got to the point of actually setting up uh, the organization. So uh, give us a little bit of your background. Um, Yeah, so I woke up about 25 years ago. Um, I was working in the grocery sector and a number of my clients would have the supermarkets come in, your Tesco's and and what was back then, Safeway and Asda and so forth. And I was watching the control that these supermarkets had at audit times and how these small businesses effectively were having to um, invest really heavily to keep up the requirements of the supermarket. And the supermarkets were making it very, very difficult uh, for these suppliers through contracts to to deliver directly to people. And I was watching this happen over a a period of a year or two, and the monopolization started to become really quite frightening to me. I could see where this would head. I could see where this would go. And farmers were almost handing over, um, and producers were handing over their, their, their sort of sovereignty as a business, if you like, over to the likes of the supermarkets. And so I started uh, researching and going down those holes. And that's when you start finding the likes of Monsanto's of this world and various other organizations and for those that have done it they know where it heads and you go off in a lot of different directions um it was a lot slower process uh, for me to sort of wake up and be fully aware I think than people nowadays because I didn't have the internet at home back then and you know you really had to do proper research if you like um and as time went on I realized that there was going to come a point they were going to do something to mess up and 
there had to be solutions that were found as to how do you move forward from a situation like that so for me personally um, I'd lie awake for hours at night trying to find solutions and it was always for me about decentralization it was about taking power back to the people back to communities um, not this centralized control that we see now and you could see it was going in that direction even back then um, so I started to create models in my head of what that could look like and when uh, and, and during that time I went and worked in big chem, big feed, big seed. Um, I worked for smaller organizations. I got myself into a position where I could go and deal directly with farmers and growers and producers and really understand what was happening. And uh, then later on down the line, I went and worked in community projects. So again, I could understand how you work with volunteers because I knew this was going to take people power. And when you're asking people to dedicate a big chunk of their lives to doing something outside of paid work, yeah. you have to know what you're dealing with and how that needs handling and how you can work with people to achieve your goals. So um, yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that. And then when COVID hit, uh, within a month or two, uh, for me, it was the shoving the tests up the nose thing for this prolific uh, virus that was going around something. I thought, yeah, this is it. This is the time. And um, prior to that, obviously, we had Trump come in and <laughs> it upset the apple cart somewhat. So we could see there was a light at the end of the tunnel that was coming um, at that point. So for me, I started off just trying to get a feel within the movement, if you like, as it started growing as to who's authentic, who's not, how can we work? And I'm a single parent of three kids. So, um, and I was working full time at the time. So for me to start something, I, I'm not gonna lie, I sat back and thought someone will do it in a minute. Someone will do something in a minute. Yeah, just waiting. And it became apparent that no one was actually gonna take the ball by the horns and, and do some things that needed to happen. So I decided to do it and um, PHA just organically um, started to be developed. And from there, it's just we launched last April and it's gone bonkers. It's been insane. Well, Tessa, I, I understand your thinking when you sit back and you wait for something to happen and you realize nothing happens. Um, that's why it's fun jumping in, actually doing something. And uh, I think we both probably end up talking to people and they tell us about their dreams and we guys said well we've been doing x and y so why don't you do z and it, it's too much bother but you've i mean it's fascinating the simply before we get into um people's health and self but just the people on the website so let me bring up the website and let people see what they will see when they go on that's just what you will see when you go on the website. But you've got a great number of ambassadors and anyone who has Dr. David Cortland or Dolores Cahill certainly been with us before and, and many others. Um, tell us about that kind of networking and pulling those like-minded people into the plans and the projects you had. Yeah, so um, it wasn't difficult, actually. Um, it was just natural connections that were made because I, I, I'm a networker. I'm a connector. I love speaking with other people who are genuine and authentic. And um, there were certain like Sam White was the first guy um, I connected with. And I went and met with Sam. And, you know, what he's been put through is just revolting. It's disgusting that any individual who's trying to help other people should go through what he's been through. And Dave Cartland, as such, has had same similar issues afterwards. So um, once we'd kind of got established, I felt that it was important that these guys felt um, not only were they supported by the people across the UK who knew what was going on, um, but they have much to offer. And uh, we're as a core group of volunteers who started PHA, none of us are uh, medically trained. 
Um, and we wanted to ensure that we could bring across um, supporters and ambassadors for PHA who come from a variety of different backgrounds, because what we do is integrative. It isn't just medical. It isn't just allopathic. We do believe there's space for both. And in fact, it's essential we adopt both methods uh, moving forward. So I got to connect with Sam and Dave and we've all become really good friends, genuinely, you know, really good mates now. Um, you know, we message each other regularly. Uh, they're real people. They're real people with feelings and they're real people with skills and they're real people who've got drive to, to make a difference. And that's what we found with the ambassadors we work with. They all are so driven to bring real change to how we look at health as well as um, supporting accountability for what's taken place. And um, so just one to one, I connected with them. Um, one thing I think that's really important is we just remain human and we just remain really genuine and authentic in who we are. And I think people like that about what we're doing. There's no egos involved with PHA. There's no agendas involved with PHA. It is about producing for the people. And every single one of the ambassadors we've got, including Dr. Kat Ninley, who's been profoundly supportive um, on the medical side, um, we, we, we need these people to help, you know, get message out there. And um, the trouble we've got, Peter, is the same old adage across the board within the, the movement. It's too few do very much for so many and um, we'd love to get more ambassadors on board to help. And as time allows, we'll get to it. Oh, completely. And uh, I love the, that networking side, as you pointed out, the last three years, one of the massive plus points in the midst of the chaos has been meeting people, connecting with people, making those new relationships of people maybe wouldn't traditionally um, have have crossed. But l looking at the um, on the website, you talk about a future where big pharma no longer has control over us. And I think a lot of us have questioned that power that is over us and controls every area of our lives and not just big pharma, but you have their big everything. There's so many institutions and organizations, but maybe you want to tell us what the need is uh, for the people's health lands in the, in the midst of that. Um, and yeah, so tell us kind of how PHA fits into what need it addresses. Yeah. One of the main reasons um, I wanted to get started was uh, it was the when the government announced that the NHS uh, staff might be mandated for vaccines. And so for me, I could see there are a lot of doctors and nurses who would eventually become uncomfortable with this and want to yeah. leave. Now, we don't want to lose that skill set, that expertise, that knowledge. You know, people still need healthcare across the UK. Um, but we knew there were going to be far less medical um, practitioners available initially because so many have swallowed what they were told so um and there's such a place for um natural approaches to health more holistic approaches to health and these guys these homeopathic doctors and nutritionists and so forth the knowledge they have is absolutely profound but they've always been pushed into the shadows because big pharma can't make money a huge amount of money off the back of more natural approaches and to health and preventative approaches to health so whilst you look at big pharma and it does seem overwhelming it's like how do we stop this how do we stop them they're so big actually we have the power to do it but we we can start small if you go into your community um, as a practitioner and start working um, with the more holistic and natural approaches and certainly in a preventative way over time you're going to eradicate the need for big pharma quite a lot more um, also what we want to support is if there are local producers in the uk who, who do you know uh, manufacture and produce 
pharmaceuticals, essential pharmaceuticals, that's great. But um, by bringing it back to smaller businesses, bringing it back to a more community-based um, way of living, you eradicate the need for the big control mechanisms that are there. And with everything we do under the People's Alliance, it is about eradicating that central power source and bringing the power back to the people, back to communities. So whilst Big Pharma, it seems like they're massive and they have a hold on everything, what you do in your community on the daily will eradicate the need for these big conglomerates that currently have the control in place. But we don't need them. We don't need them. And the sooner people realise that and step into their power, um, we're going to see change start to happen. Yeah, I think we've all seen the big pharma are not there to help us, help our health. They're there to make profits for their shareholders. That's why they exist. But what, look, we see the, the NHS system collapsing, uh, whether by chance or by design. And I'm still trying to work that out personally. But yeah, the NHS completely collapsed. Um, is what you're doing trying to set up a another NHS? How does it kind of, when people see that as the model they understand, how does um, PHA fit into that understanding? So we're not trying to replace the NHS. Predominantly what we're doing is creating safety nets and a way to start moving forward. So, um, you know, I've always been a huge proponent of the NHS. My mom's an NHS nurse for over 30 years. They've saved my life twice. Um, you know, I've been on rallies in the past many years ago to support the NHS. It isn't a crack at the NHS per se, but the NHS are not performing. People cannot access healthcare. And so whilst we're not in a position right now as PHA to address things like uh, secondary and acute care, we can certainly support at that primary care level and create safety nets. Another thing I foresaw coming was the fact that people might lose faith in the NHS and actually might say, no, I'm not going to go and see my doctor. I'm not going to go and see anyone about this. I refuse to see it. They've lost confidence. So actually, it's really essential we still all take care of ourselves. And there's incredible practitioners out there who certainly at that primary care level can support people within the community. And it's giving them an affordable way to access that. But the beauty of what we do here is no, no health hubs will look the same from each other. Um, it isn't about us at core who are providing resources and the information and so forth. Um, it's about what you need in your community. So every single health hub looks unique. It looks a bit different. Um, and, and what we want to encourage is more of that old school um, if for the GPs to come in and create a relationship with the people within their community. At the moment, it's cattle fodder. You're in and out. Five minutes, job done. Um, the amount of GPs I've spoken to who really don't like working that way. So PHA want to bring back the opportunity for practitioners to connect with their patients um, on a one-to-one -one level, get to know them and understand them and people genuinely receiving solid support and advice and what they can do and how they can take care of themselves at home without the need as Dave Cartland put it GPs just going here's a pill for every year crack on you know we want to move away from that yeah and I I, I completely understand I, I've got friends who are don't want to go to their doctor because they are concerned if you're maybe older or weaker uh, they're worried about being forced to have jabs. They're worried about being forced to have medication um, that they, they don't want to have. So I completely get that concern about actually going and that trust is completely gone. But how is it set up practically? How does it work? Is it purely education? Is it actually people setting up a system where people can get treatment? Um, explain kind of how it does work and what your vision is for it moving forward. 
Yeah. So like I said, every hub is unique. So, um, for example, we've got 10 physical hubs open in the UK in 10 months, which actually is profound. And it isn't it isn't us at core. This is the people doing it and doing it on very, very little money. So each one looks different. So some have um, what they call drop ins, uh, whereby their practitioners de dedicate a morning a week, for example, to being able to see patients within their community. And it's free of charge or donation is asked for. Some hubs are set up whereby they've got practitioners available all day, every day where you can make an appointment. Um, but we've asked every hub to ensure that there are schemes available for those in the community who maybe are on a low income or poverty situation. So we don't have people missing out. Each hub looks different. And there's a really, really good reason for that. And that is because it's about empowering people. It's not about us at Central controlling things. It's about empowering and supplying resources for each community to create what it wants. Um, so each one will look different, but there'll be a plethora of different um, uh, practitioners available in every hub. It could be, you know, nutritionist, a homeopath, um, a, a chiropractor and so on and so forth. And they refer to each other. Uh, different patients depending on what they are analyzing within that you know what what they're finding with that patient and then they can refer it over to a colleague who might be more expert in that field and quite often gps as it stands and uh, you know you can speak to dave cartland about this the amount of training they get in nutrition for example is actually pathetic yeah. um whereas we know gut health and good nutrition is such an integral part of our health overall so um, these these hubs work differently. You don't see GPs often referring uh, to anyone who, who who will take a common sense, natural approach, if I'm honest, um, whereas these practitioners are encouraged to do so. And, and, and they do. We've even got some groups who are creating uh, they're buying buses. And they're going to go around their local community and stop certain days each week for a few hours so people can access them, uh, particularly those in a rural environment. Um, it, it, what That is one of the beauties of this. It is about empowering people to make decisions for what their community needs and doing it together. And it's happening. You know, we've got 30 counties now involved. We've got 30 hubs set up that serve in the community, even if they haven't got a physical hub. There's virtual hubs. There are, like I say, the bus option. Some people are going and hiring a village hall for two mornings a week and just having a drop in uh, situation where people can come by. So each one looks different. And actually, we love that um, because this really is for people to create what they need for their community, not be dictated to by somebody who doesn't go to their community and doesn't understand what's there or what the issues are. This is about the people identifying what they need and stepping into their power and creating it for others within their area it's a very different it's an approach a holistic approach i guess and uh we've i guess come to reassess a lot of things but i think for me it dawned whenever you were told go and get your job and you can get a donut okay so how is that going to improve and there is absolutely no focus or emphasis on health care on nutritional value on exercise on physically looking it was all get a job of a substance and that will make you all better. Um, but I mean, tell us about that integrative approach, that whole approach, that connecting so many things, because that is, um, maybe it's going back to what it was traditionally, um, or maybe it's reassessing and a new model going forward. But um, yeah, I mean, tell us that kind of connect approach, because that, again, it's a departure from our traditional understanding of the NHS or healthcare. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, the, the common sense, <laughs> common sense is something that's brought back in. Um, you know, back 
a number of years ago, decades ago, you know, the, your nan and your mum, they'd have a kitchen cupboard full of natural herbs and teas and, and things that you could use, tinctures to support your health and we know the preventative way is the ideal way forward let's be honest so we do a huge amount in terms of education it's available on the website on you know kitchen cupboard type medical thing uh, um, healing things you can do um, and so on and so forth but what for example our health optimization program which is on our website i mean anyone can take it up with stages one and two but what it is it's to help deal with the injured um and we take a very natural approach but actually we look at things like gut health stress sleep all of these different areas that actually anyone can go and look at the health optimization program and take something from it that will help build your immunity but it's based on a natural common sense approach and everything in our bodies is interconnected. We know that. So um, we also supply non-medical um, um, options uh, mm. for dealing with injuries that have um, been proven to, to, to um, replicate what you can do with certain pharmaceutical items. So we very much try and take a natural approach across the board. But we also don't deny the fact that there are situations whereby people do need to have an allopathic approach to their health. And we absolutely welcome that. Um, but in terms of that preventative approach, we all have a responsibility to do something for ourselves. You know, we've, we've become we've been led down this road based on fear over a number of decades about our health. You know, the government across the world and the pharmaceutical companies have done an excellent excellent job and letting us know how brittle we are how likely we are to break you know um and actually that isn't the case if we change the way we live and this is why it has to be an all round the clock approach to how we move forward as societies because you know you've got the economic side of things that makes a difference to how people's health looks the societal um differences across the board depending on where you live on what you can do with your health and actually no we need to get i hate to use the word equity equality if you like across the across society to deal with this because you've got mental health you've not just got your physical health we've got masses we need to do and we have to see societal changes and that starts in your community that starts with you people out there um so yeah that's the kind of approach we take but we're not here to dictate we're here to guide and and, and educate i guess ideally you'd want a system where people uh financially put in i mean when you think of the american model in theory that should work where you have an insurance scheme where you have something you pay in because what we pay in, in our taxes doesn't seem to get anything out for the nhs and that's no longer free at the point of service anyway um so ideally you want something where you have more and more people uh, becoming i guess paid up members who you pay we pay subscriptions for many services so i don't see why we shouldn't pay it for access to health and healthcare we can trust um i mean is that where because everything needs funding to make it happen so tell us about that side yeah so that's the more difficult side of it if you like but it doesn't need to be hugely difficult but it's a mindset shift yeah. that's the that's the biggest challenge is the mindset shift so for example i was interviewing dr kat linley this week that'll be out soon and we were talking about different models that doctors who leave the nhs can take in opening up their own practice within their community and one of the cat the model that cat works with is um her patients uh pay a it's a sliding scale depending on what age you are and you pay a certain amount each month now what that does is give the doctors the um security of the financial income but she just makes herself available 24 7 um she doesn't just give a pill for i mean she takes a very holistic approach to how mm -hmm. she deals with her patients and you would 
put cat in the gp category i suppose in the uk um but she will like if they've got the sniffles are you taking your vitamins have you created this soup what about doing this you know very holistic approach at hub level the way it works for a lot of the hubs is they're doing it again as a memberships thing so um you pay x amount each month and each hub will work that out um but you pay x amount each month and you then can access all of the practitioners, for example, or some work on an independent level um, and they will give discounts to people who are, you know, financially not in a strong position. Um, but what we've got to wrap our heads around in the UK is we do pay for the NHS. We pay quite heavily for the NHS. And what you see within the NHS is a massive amount of waste, huge amount of waste. And on the salaries for middle management, it's just unreal. I mean, we've looked at it and actually we could probably provide healthcare um, across the board, primary, secondary and acute care for probably about one tenth of what the NHS is costing us right now. Um, it's astounding and it's so much is wasted. So, but that's because of the centralisation. It's about central bodies dictating to hospitals what they can spend, where they can spend it, who they can buy from and so forth. And actually, they have no idea what that community looks like and what it needs. They have no idea what the requirements are on a local level. And as such, you've seen a one size fits all across the board. And that doesn't work. It's proven it doesn't work. If each hospital had control over its own budgets, its own finances, its own way forwards, who they bring in, the employment and so forth, I think we'd see a very, very different situation. But we don't have it. And until the government lets go of that and takes the power back to the hospitals or the local regions uh, to take care of themselves, you're going to carry on seeing wastage. So don't think you don't pay for the NHS. You do pay for the NHS. I'm not saying the NHS should go. But what I am saying is I would love to see a situation whereby our tax money was allocated to us as people to spend on healthcare as we see fit, rather than us being dictated to and where our money should go. Yeah, and we've certainly seen a, over the last three years, a not just destruction on the NHS, on our health service, but also on health, people's health. Um, when you're told stay at home, don't get any exercise, uh, you don't really want to visit your dog, it's, it has a massive negative effect and then get jabbed with experimental jabs, another impact on health. But kind of, so what this is, is needed, I guess, more than ever, that nothing is working, the, the health service system is not functioning and people's health is in a much bad, worse place than it was. Mm. Um, and then you've got crazy, crazy waiting lists. And then you've got a supposed phone call with a doctor who will then someone somewhere will tell you without actually seeing anyone. And the whole system is broken. But tell us, I mean, that impact on, I guess, healthcare uh, since COVID and then the response to that. Yeah, I mean, it's been dire. Um, it's been absolutely dire. And we're seeing, obviously, with injuries, increasing issues um, across the board. Um it, it's it's a very difficult time for people, and I understand why people are, are frightened, people are worried. But actually, raising your hand and saying, I need help right now is the best thing you can do. But I think we also need to bear in mind, it's not just been the physical health impact. A massive issue is the mental well-being. I mean, I cannot express heavily enough just how much of an impact has taken place even on those that are awake and aware and have seen it of what it is you know it's it's added a massive mental strain and one thing that we're doing is working with partners across the uk um, one in particular, um, our mental wellbeing um, ambassador, a lady called Helen Gibson, is currently beta testing um, trainer trainers on mental health first aid. So we're going to deliver that across the UK and train people like secondary level practitioners and so forth in how to deliver mental wellbeing first aid 
it's going to be profound and as people wake up which they will as people wake up across the uk what we want to do is avoid any risk of kind of societal collapse because people just don't know how to cope they don't know how to move forward and this has affected our young people as well this is not just us adults our young people have been affected it's incredibly important that we put a huge amount of onus and focus on how we can heal people on the mental side of things how we can work with them to support them through that and we need people across every single community getting trained in mental well-being first aid so we can catch them when they fall um, because this is about us it is that don't let the division come into this we've all got to help each other we know who the bad guys are they're the ones who should be getting our anger i suppose for want of a better word yeah. but no we've got to we've got to put some onus here not just on the physical well-being which needs a lot of work but on the mental well-being as well um but again it's about education it's about taking it back to basics it's about good good nutrition good sleep good gut good gut health you know really start to take care of yourself taking the, the good vitamins that you need um all of that's on our website and it's going to keep building and keep building those resources and education but you know there are specialists out there there are experts out there in this field go and find your local um practitioners on our directory on our website and reach out to them and if, if money is an issue the amount we speak to who say just put a little donation of what you can or let's let's just work something out moving forward i've got one lady who happily will see her patients for a dozen eggs and you know or something else in return so don't be put off by the fact that they are private practitioners. Reach out because I tell you what, the, the ones I'm speaking to are incredibly generous and kind. Um, we are all here to help each other and we mustn't lose sight of that. Um, it, l let me focus on that a little bit more because I remember talking to um, David the first time I interviewed him and realising, I think could have been actually after the interview, realising that we need a, a, a separate system that actually offers healthcare for individuals. Um, and I remember uh, earlier on, David, mentioning the People's Health Alliance, and I'd seen a number of initiatives in the US, which are, of course, always well-funded and they can make things happen. We are always working seemingly on a shoestring in the UK where you have the individuals, but not necessarily the finance. America sometimes you the finance before the individuals. But here in the UK, what... Looking on the website, um, it's not just that you have a dozen or so uh, GPs or health professionals around the country, but actually you have pages and pages and pages. So, I mean, tell us more about that, because what you're building is, isn't is actually on the education side, isn't actually saying, well, if you follow this, you'll be better and we need that, but it actually is about giving that access, um, and that's something that is desperately needed and i have been concerned that maybe wasn't happening but that is literally what you're doing on the ground yeah absolutely one of the most excuse me overwhelming things that happened when we well prior to us actually launching was we connected with literally hundreds of holistic practitioners. It could be people from a background in um, homeopathy. It could be um, reflexology. It could be nutrition, chiropractor, osteopath. So many actually cried with joy that yeah. we were doing this, genuinely cried with joy because they have been forced into the shadows. They haven't been taken seriously. And these guys, there's doctors out there, there's naturopathic doctors who are 
immense. They've trained in both allopathic and holistic approaches. You know, um, the, the knowledge base out there is, is phenomenal. And we wanted to give a platform to these guys. We want to shine a light on it. They have so much to offer. And because of Big Pharma and, you know, the NHS approach and so forth, um, they haven't been given the opportunity. I think you can still get homeopathic um, treatments paid for through the NHS in Scotland, but you can't in the UK. And yet you used to be able to. But that's been taken away now. And these guys are, are incredible, absolutely incredible. They have so much to give. They are so excited to be able to have a light shining on them now so they can show what they can do. You know, we've got some homeopathic doctors who are having incredible success um, with some vaccine injured, for example. You know, people underestimate what is available out there. And the amount of doctors we're seeing, like your Sam Whites and others that are coming out of the NHS and actually training in a different holistic sphere. So we are now connecting with different colleges and education providers across the UK to get discounts for people through PHA. So if you're a doctor, you want to leave the NHS, maybe you want to take a more holistic approach to how you treat your patients. You can still, you've still got the allopathic knowledge there. You still can be able to access, access that, but maybe you want to understand more on the holistic side. So we're keen to get doctors and nurses um, trained up should they want it in different holistic practices. So it gives them a broader spectrum and knowledge as well as what other practitioners they can do when they refer. Um, you know, we wanna give as many doctors the options as we can and nurses um, to get involved with it. But um, yeah, it's it's been, it's, it's not easy on the financial front because we ask for donations from the public. Um, great people are very kindly donating we've got the power of the pound campaign where we ask people to donate one pound a month ongoing you know um we're very realistic as to what's going on out there and what people are up against um but yeah we haven't in all honesty we haven't sourced big funding we haven't gone after big donors at this stage we do need to do that but as with everything it's still relatively speaking a small skeleton crew that are driving pha forward and there's so many hours only so many hours in the day but we're not here about big conferences, big marketing budgets, this sort of stuff. We could have plowed money into that, but we're not. We're plowing it back into functionality and we want to plow more back into getting hub doors open. We've got so many hub groups this far away from opening their doors and it might just be that financial thing. It could be just five grand they need to just flip the switch and be able to get live. Um, so if anyone out there um, is in a position to donate, please kindly do. Um, we, we are very transparent with where money is spent. We are very frugal and that's probably down to me. I've been a single mum for 25 years. You watch where every single penny goes and you use it to the most optimum, uh, in the most optimum way mm. to have the biggest impact. So um, yeah, the finances are difficult, but we're not going out there getting money from Big Pharma. We are not going out, we're not, you know, integrity is key and we tend to lead by example. Let me just show people where, um because I didn't actually believe it until I was looking through your website. Um, many people talk about what's possible and give you a great spiel. And then you realize the substance doesn't actually back it up. But if people go on to the website and click on the practitioners, uh, you can there get a map. Uh, you can put in your details. And as you can see, uh, it is a loss of uh, we could go one by one and we could take maybe a, a few hours, but literally you can scroll down and people are there. So people can just go, they can put in their postcode. And I looked and there are a number near me, actually. It just did a, a search while we've been speaking. But people can go, they can put in their postcode, they can put in their area and they can see and they can contact uh, someone directly. Is that how it works? Yep. 
absolutely um so we are just updating the hub list which will be live hopefully by the end of the weekend um we're actually updating the whole website at the moment there's um we've worked out better ways for us to work so um and bear in mind the majority of everything done through pha is done by volunteers and so that's why this is such a phenomenal success people aren't here making bundles of money this is being done by the will of the people but yes you can go onto the map go and look up a practitioner uh you might have a particular modality that you're looking for for example you know you might want to find a nutritionist um so you can go and find who is in your area we make no promises we make no you know anything outside of that because one thing that's happened as well we want to encourage is people to figure things out for themselves for so long we've been spoon-fed intentionally we've been spoon-fed on how we need to work our lives who we need to go and see how things should be and we're breaking the mold here we're saying no think for yourself find out what works for you so we're doing lots and lots of zooms and round tables with various members from different modalities so people can start to learn well what's the difference between this and that type of modality what works for me it's about choice it's about option it's about you deciding what you need not being told what you need about you deciding what works for you. And we want to encourage that. And the practitioner directory is a great place to start. These guys, they've been checked. We know they're legitimate, um, but it's over to you. It's over to you to take control of your health, be responsible for your health and use these practitioners to support you on your health journey. And, um, you know, one day we might have to come into secondary and acute care. But, hey, we can start with primary care now because it's not costing us bundles of money uh, that we don't have. But, yeah, there's bigger plans. Um, but unfortunately, we're going to need money for that. And that time will come. And what you're doing is needed. It's not just a, a one-off thing, supposedly, in the last few years of chaos, and then it goes back. There is no going back to normal. This is the normal where we have seen, actually, some of the institutions as being against us, as being the enemy. And it's quite weird when you think that of the government, of the police, of the legal system, of the health system, not actually for you or working with you, but they're there for others um but so what you're doing is is long term it's not just um you know over the last few years with covid well we needed something but now we're getting back to normal so we can just go back to the systems that we once trusted they're gone they're, they're not there anymore so what you're doing is for the long term yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um we have to all understand that we are going to need to create new ways forward, be that health, be that food production, be that education, be it local politics, alternative media. There are so many ways people can be empowered and helping to create the new. Mm -hmm. And as we're watching the old crumble, it's very important that we start putting those safety nets into place because what we don't want to see is people full of fear, people full of worry that actually what now the NHS is crumbling. What do I do? What do I do? Don't worry. All right. You've got the NHS still, it is still there, but, it isn't necessarily a sustainable model right now. Um, we're building for the future, not just us, other groups across the world. There's incredible authentic grassroots groups across the world doing fantastic work. And a lot of those will be highlighted on my new podcast. But, you know, there are community groups out there already doing it. PHA has had such an impact that we've got hubs open in Australia, New Zealand. I mean, those two countries have been absolutely flying along. They're already open. 
they're working in less than six months. It's astounding. We've got groups opening up now in Portugal, Spain. Um, Canada's not far away. You know, that it's really taken hold. And I think the reason it works so well is because we are not dictating what you should do. We're supplying you with bundles of information, resources, ideas, uh, blueprints, all the rest of it for you to go and, you know, create what you need. We've got a few very simple principles. We ask people to buy by, like do no harm, for example. Uh, very, very simple. Um, um, but key ones and it's over to you you can do this don't think for a minute you're only being told you can't do it by either your own mind or the government don't listen you are more than capable of doing it and we need to build the future and pha is a solid part of that and the community action the community hubs it's going back to what it traditionally was and not just during covid where we were told stay away from each other the people are bad um, and therefore put that massive divide and destroyed any interaction and connections um that people have i mean that that's that kind of moving away that losing connections with your neighbor family friend that's been happening anyway but covid certainly has sped that up so i guess it is essential and important that these community hubs go in place because they will provide that. I mean, when you go to your GP, you go there, you feel as though you're going to get more sick because the people you look around you and you just want to get out of there. Um, so it's in and out. But um, again, what you're talking about with community hubs, uh, with those networks is somewhere where you go for just more than actually to fix your health issue. It's it's about a kind of those connections and networking. Yeah. I mean, we're connected to groups like the Pharmacy Cooperative. So on the PFFA side, they're one of our partners. We are connected with some community assemblies. We've connected with a lot of groups across the UK. And some of these guys are creating community hubs whereby there's an education element. They've got a PHA hub in there. They've got a PFFA side to it or cooperative side to it where the food's concerned for local food production. I mean, these hubs are becoming quite serious now, you know, and, and they are going to become the heart of communities and you're absolutely right we're just producing a blueprint now actually with our teams to create youth hubs uh, across the uk and some of these will be adopted by the community hubs now our kids have had a tough time you know really i can't express enough how much we need to start doing for our young people to support them through it from the mental physical and spiritual side of their own well-being and these youth hubs are going to be absolute lifesavers for some kids. You know, we've got a lot of uh, young carers out there as it is. I think with the injuries, we're going to see more young carers coming to the fore. We need to take care of our children. And so these youth hubs will be educational. There'll be a an escape, a safe escape for kids to go to. At the moment, you go to the park, young kids. What, what else is there? Yeah. What really else is there? Screens. <laughs> Screens. And we've seen the damage that can be caused by a number of social media apps and so on and so forth so we want to create environments for the communities to grow to heal to benefit on all levels and that includes our young people and these community hubs are going to become an essential part of building the new and moving forward together like you say we've been ostracized from our neighbors um, and encouraged to have that 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 distance intentionally i don't believe for a second this is accidental this is intentional so you either let them win that or you say no I'm actually going to go out there and connect with my neighbours. I'm going to go and see my elderly neighbour mm. who gets no visitors and have a cup of tea. I'm going to go and look after the garden of my elderly neighbour who can't do it for herself. And hey, what? We'll grow some food for her and ourselves. There are a million different ways you can support the people in the community. Don't think for a second. Government are coming to the rescue. They are not. 
certainly not the current government we've got. So yeah. we either sit back and wait for some sort of white horse that doesn't seem to be arriving, or we get off our butts and we do it for ourselves. And that's what we do. That's what other community groups do. That's it. our partners and affiliates that we work with are encouraging people within their community to take back their power, step into it and support each other. Yeah, there's no one coming to help. It's us or no one. Yeah. Um, as we finish, you you dropped in some other things, I and mean, we can finish uh, letting the people know what they are. You mentioned your podcast. You've mentioned PFFA, which is the People's Food and Farming Alliance. Um, I know we've talked before about the Vote Freedom Project. Do you want to just touch on those to give us a flavour of what they are and what people should expect? Yeah, absolutely. So um, because my heart ultimately, uh, historically, has been in agriculture and farming. That's where I started my awakening, and it's still an issue now. In fact, it's a more of an issue than it's ever been before. Mm. So we formed the People's Food and Farming Alliance last September. Uh, there's three strands to that of where we support through resources, education. Um, that's Grow Your Own community growing groups and then farmers and producers now the grow your own is self-explanatory through community growing groups we're connecting with groups out there groups out there doing it they are absolutely flying along and we we've shown blueprints and models and, and we continue to do so of how you form a community growing group why it's important and we connect with partners like the pharmacy cooperative and others in order to deliver um uh, logistical uh, support in making that happen uh, we also have a partner like the open food network which can be found on our website whereby they plot every single producer shop individual who produces food or food products for people across the uk across the world actually so you can go and find similar to our directory you can go and find who's local to you and you can start sourcing directly and then the other side of it is supporting farmers and producers in very practical common sense ways through new accreditation systems uh, on-site butcheries on-site feed mixes and so forth because what we need to do is we need to take out the big controlling mechanisms which are the conglomerates and do it for ourselves so pffa is about finding common sense solutions and getting them out there again into the communities mm. we've also now got uh, my podcast all hands on deck that's now just starting off and what that is is to give a platform to those community groups and those individuals across the uk who are already making a difference but they haven't got a big marketing budget they haven't got a big way of communicating with the world, but that people need to know and be inspired by what is actually already going on. These are the heroes of the grassroots. These are the guys out there not doing a song and dance about it. They're getting their heads down and getting it done. So if you're, that's all just starting off now. We've got a few episodes already up, but that's all hands on deck. And the final thing that I'm working on um, is I've connected with uh, a few people. We've produced, uh, we've just started the Vote Freedom Project. Now, what this is, um, is actually for me personally, very essential. I don't have any faith in any party politics anymore. We've got MPs and would-be MPs across the country who are dictated to by their political party. They have to abide by certain rules. They could be influenced by donors. They could be influenced by the whip. What we want to see is 650 freedom-loving MPs standing up in the Houses of Parliament in come 2024 who are there to just represent their constituents. A lot of reasons potential candidates go to the parties is because they need the support in terms of standing, the bureaucracy, the paperwork, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, the campaigning and so forth. The Vote Freedom Project will help do that with you if you are genuinely, authentically looking to stand and support freedom for people across the UK. We'll support you through that so you can stand as an independent. And that's what the Vote Freedom Project is all about. Okay, so it's all hands on deck and looking at the PFFA, and that's just you put FF there instead of the H, um, and Vote Freedom Project. All the links will be in the description, whether you're watching or listening to the podcasting apps. Um, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on. It's really um, 
it's exciting what's happening. As I said, I first heard it from uh, from David Cartland, um, and it's exciting to see when something moves from an idea to actually ruling it out, and it is happening. So thank you for coming on today and sharing what's happening. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. It's been an absolute pleasure. Not at all. Thank you. And thank you to our viewers and listeners for tuning in. Do make use of all the links in the descriptions. Uh, and we will see you very soon for our next interview. So thank you and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.